Well, uh, when Andrew Sheed told me the readings for today, I was really quite surprised to see that the first one was all about the plague. And I thought, oh my goodness, preaching on the pandemic. I don't really want to do that. Perhaps I should preach on Acts 20. That'd be a lot easier. Paul's farewell speech to the Ephesian elders. I've been there, done that, written the commentary on it. But actually, as I looked at uh, 1 Chronicles 21, I thought there's amazing things here. This is very fascinating. And I began to see quite quickly how it leads us to Christ and the gospel. So I hope you find this uh, reflection on 1 Chronicles 21 helpful. And uh, along the way, we will make some comments, uh, obviously, about the pandemic in relation to this passage. So the first thing we notice when we look at 1 Chronicles 21 is that God's judgment is warranted. The passage uh, speaks about a specific judgment of God on the people of Israel, which was finally provoked by David's numbering of the people. Now, obviously, the pandemic that we're experiencing is quite a general expression of God's wrath against sin, not directed at any particular persons or nations, but part of the fallen world in which we live, where we see uh, many consequences of sin, many expressions of the fact that we are in the world outside the Garden of Eden uh, under the judgment of God. So we can't make a simplistic equation between uh, the, the pandemic and the plague in, in this passage. Nevertheless, there are points of, of relevance that we need to consider. Satan is said to have risen up against Israel and incited David to take up a census of the people. Uh, 2 Samuel 24, which is the parallel passage, says that God is the ultimate cause. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel and he incited David against them. So God was in some way acting in judgment against his people by allowing Satan to test David and David to make uh, an improper judgment to go in the wrong direction. And normally we think of a census as having some positive benefit for our society exposing social needs, uh, showing population growth and movement, um, helping to readjust electoral boundaries and so on. But David's census obviously has a sinister purpose and the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what it was. Uh, perhaps he was preparing illegitimately for war or wanting to tax the people or just, just to satisfy his own kingly pride and arrogance, counting the number of soldiers that he had. Uh, the the reason for it doesn't matter because it's the theological um, perspective on this that the Bible um, brings before us. So it's it's Satan rising up against Israel and inciting David to do evil. And what uh, David was doing was was totally improper. It brought guilt upon Israel, verse three. Uh, but David is stubborn and refuses to take notice of uh, the uh, advice of his. Uh, his leaders. Joab even fiddles the numbers to try and lessen the sin because the king's command was repulsive to him, we're told in verse 6. And the narrator adds in verse 7, this command was also evil in the sight of God, so he punished Israel. So we have here a, a, a judgment that is warranted. And later in verse 17, which I think is, the, is the, really the key verse in the whole passage, David acknowledges this. David said to God, was it not I who ordered the fighting men to be counted? I, the shepherd, have sinned and done wrong. These are my sheep. These are but sheep. What have they done? Lord my God, let your hand fall on me and my family, but don't let this plague remain on your people. 
So right up front, even in verse eight, David acknowledges his failure. He acknowledges the justice of God's judgment. But the amazing thing about this passage is that most of it is about God's mercy. Uh, verses 9 to 16, we see mercy in the midst of judgment. God's mercy is first revealed in the choice presented to David by Gad the prophet. Three years of famine, three months of being swept away before your enemies with their swords overtaking you, or three days of the sword of the Lord, days of plague in the land with the angel of the Lord ravaging every part of Israel. That's in verse 12. What a choice. Three years, three months or three days. Famine, enemy attack or plague. Judgment was unavoidable, but David recognized that it was best to fall directly into the hands of the Lord. For he says in verse 13, his mercy is very great. Of course, David knew that famine and even enemies were in the hands of God but he didn't want to fall directly into human hands. Moreover, he trusted that the swift judgment of the plague was better than three years of famine. The, the plague spread quickly and killed many throughout the land, verse 14. It even came to the gates of Jerusalem where the Lord relented concerning the disaster and said to the angel who was destroying the people, enough, withdraw your hand, verse 15. Even so, David and the elders, clothed in sackcloth, saw the need to fall on their faces and repent. And as they did, the angel of the Lord was standing between heaven and earth with a drawn sword in his hand extended over Jerusalem. They were still under the threat of judgment, although the plague was stopped for the moment. So there are three features of this plague that uh, have been highlighted in these verses. First of all, it was explained and predicted by a prophet and we have no reliable prophet to tell us why God has allowed this pandemic to hit our world at this moment so that makes a big difference uh, they had a prophet to tell precisely why God was judging them uh, but uh, secondly we see that this plague was very limited in its scope and of course that's very different from what we are experiencing at the moment and it was a context in which to experience God's mercy God's mercy in the number of ways I've already illustrated and we too have seen uh, many expressions of God's mercy I believe uh, we've seen communities and individuals working together to care for one another in in, in ways that are not normal uh, we've actually seen a rapid decline of the pandemic where social distancing has been followed uh, we've seen international efforts to find a vaccine uh, and uh, even a reduction in carbon emissions, all sorts of sort of byproducts of this time of lockdown. So there have been signs of God's mercy. And we, we hear from churches about the number of people logging into their services and, and contacts that people are having for the gospel uh, in this time of stress. It's certainly been a very unsettling time for many, fear of sickness and death, loneliness and depression, unemployment and social disruption. And we're not out of it yet, uh, but there have been these mercies that we need to acknowledge in the midst of judgment. And as Christians, we should consider it an opportunity to examine ourselves individually and communally and talk to our churches about this, uh, even as David and the elders of Israel did seeking to discern what sins this COVID-19 crisis might have exposed in us. 
things to do with our, our values, our hopes, our expectations, uh, what matters most to us in life, how do our lives conform to the will of our holy God. Now, this is time for reflection. It's a time for considering both the judgment of God and the mercy of God. And of course, as we experience God's mercy in the midst of judgment, we're reminded of the need to proclaim Christ to our, our, our unbelieving culture. Uh, and, and that we can all see can be done uh, even in, in lockdown. Now, the third thing that we find in this passage, which is really fascinating, is uh, a place of atonement. As I said before, the pivotal verse in the chapter is verse 17, where David acknowledges his failure. He, he acknowledges that he's supposed to be the shepherd of Israel uh, and he hasn't shepherded the people as he should. And, and these are but sheep. They need they need his wise shepherding, his faithful shepherding. So David recognizes the need for reconciliation with God, for atonement, and he offers himself and his family as, as a punishment for the sin of Israel. But of course, that won't work. God doesn't accept that and, and it wouldn't work. It wouldn't achieve the goal. But there's another problem. And the problem is that there's no temple. There's no sacrificial system operating in the midst of uh, Jerusalem. And the reason for this is revealed in, in the very last uh, few verses of the chapter. If you look at verse 29, it says the tabernacle of the Lord, which Moses had made in the wilderness, and the altar of burnt offering were at that time on the high place at Gibeon. But David could not go there before it to inquire of God because he was afraid of the sword of the angel of the Lord. So David had brought the ark up into the middle of the city, but the tabernacle and the sacrificial system was still at Gibeon. There was no place of atonement in the midst of the city, and the angel of the Lord was standing there with his sword lifted high, ready to proceed with judgment. So David saw the need for atonement and reconciliation with God. And the solution was very close at hand. The angel of the Lord ordered Gad to tell David to go and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aronah the Jebusite, verse 18. David obeyed the word of the Lord, verse 19. He bought the, the threshing floor for the full price. The narrator is very interested in that, verses 20 to 25. And he built an altar to the Lord there. Burnt offerings and fellowship offerings accompanied his prayer to the Lord, and the Lord answered him with fire from heaven on the altar of burnt offering. And of course, that fire from heaven was a sign that the, uh, the, the sacrifices had been accepted, atonement had been made, reconciliation achieved. Then the Lord spoke to the angel and he put his sword back into his sheath, sheath verse 27. So this is a very um, powerful statement, isn't it, about the fact that in the midst of judgment, we need reconciliation with God. We need atonement. And of course, we know that that has already been provided for us in the Lord Jesus. He has experienced the judgment of God for us. And we know that whatever judgment we may have to experience in this life, uh, we can pass through that, through the atoning work of the Lord Jesus into God's eternal presence. So this extraordinary event, this act of disobedience, this act of Satan's enticement was actually the, the, the means by which the threshing floor was purchased on which Solomon would build the temple. And in this amazing unfolding of God's providence and God's mercy in the midst of judgment, uh, the place was achieved for meeting with God, for being reconciled with God in the very midst of the people of God. And you 
Remember that the, the next chapters of Chronicles right through to the end of 1 Chronicles deal with David's preparation for the temple and then we get into Solomon's actual building of it. So it's such a, a big feature as far as chronic, the Chronicle is concerned in the development of Israel's life. And how amazing it is this, that this was achieved uh, out of this terrible judgment, this terrible plague that was experienced. So we can thank God for his gracious providence, for his mercy to David and uh, the amazing outworking of his purposes and plan for Israel. Uh, we can thank him, uh, for obviously, for the Lord Jesus and his amazing work of atonement, which continues to provide for us throughout the centuries. Uh, that Jesus is the place to go to receive this, our heavenly Lord Jesus. And we thank God that as people experience God's judgment, they can not only experience the the, the mercies of everyday life that we are experiencing, but also know that there is an atonement, there is a there is a place of reconciliation and a fellowship with God is possible uh, because of what God has done for us in the Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we praise you for showing mercy in the midst of judgment, supremely in the death of the Lord Jesus for our sins. You have provided permanent reconciliation and peace with you. In the midst of this pandemic, which has brought death and despair to many, reveal your mercy in bringing many to faith in your son and bring an end to the destructive power of this virus. Give us compassion to care for others and boldness to speak your word as you give us opportunity. We pray these things for the glory of our Saviour, the good shepherd of your flock, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.